following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. National Football League Week 17 edition. The final week of the regular season. With my Wise Guy head-to-head matchup with Mr. Steve Fezzik. I'm R.J. Bell. Matty Holt. In some tropical vacation location. That's what happens when you're a vice president. But guys, we've got two crossfires, three pros versus Joes. The first double like ever on a derivative bet, and then another derivative plus best bets. One for me, one from Fez, and a ton of talk about the motivation around these week 17 games. But first, because we are here a couple days after Christmas and Maddie isn't. Which means grinding it out the week of Christmas, but we're excited. A lot of prep this week. You guys get to benefit from first. We always start with our power ratings disagreement. Fez, this sounds crazy. I think you've got the 49ers underrated. Where do you got the 49ers right now? 49ers number 15. I've got them rated just about as an average to very slightly above average team. I would not Hold disagree. On, I'm confused. I'm confused. What's their number? Their number is their number 15. Yes. And, but That's their rank. But their numerical value is zero. So they're not better than an average team. Well, it turns you're out my average, an average. I can tell you're hedging off already. The average team is above average in my ratings because there's so many bad teams with so many quarterbacks out. And it doesn't make any sense. You're <laughs> saying zero means average, correct? Zero means average. San Francisco zero. They are. You're saying they're average. They are average. Okay. So with their motivation right now, with the way Jimmy G's playing, quite frankly, with a, is it a four game winning streak or a five game winning streak? Four game winning streak. Four game winning streak. Let's look at some teams you think that they'd be underdogs to. So you're saying they'd be underdogs on a neutral to the Philadelphia Eagles by two points. I can see that, even though Foles not great. Two-point underdog to the Chargers? Oh, I think so. Oh, I don't see that at all. Two-point underdogs to the Cowboys? I think so. I think so. Now, remember, we were just arguing about how they were laying two against the Titans and how can the Niners be laying two against the Titans? And they didn't even cover that game two weeks ago. So I think it's a little leap of faith to put them up where the Chargers are. Eh, Maybe, but you got them two points. The Chargers, two points better. Now, you've got them. They'd only be a one-point favorite over the Lions. Yeah, the Lions that were in the playoff hunt until just recently. <laughs> so, I, hey, I'm oh. a Jimmy G lover, and I agree. Shanahan, it takes a while to get his systems down pat. So the fact that Jimmy G is improving each and every week is not a surprise. So if you want to make him a point better than an average team, I'm okay with that. That still puts him number 15, though, overall in my NFL rankings. Okay, now this week, 
Now, this line has just gotten way out of whack. And, man, I saw the logic there. We're taping on Wednesday afternoon. I saw the logic there beforehand and did not fire on it. So I'll take the blame for that personally, I guess. with my, I guess I'll pay the price so I don't need to take the blame. I don't have a good ticket in my pocket that I should. But right now, the Rams, they opened up as a six-point home favorite. And now 49ers are a three-point favorite. And this is off of news. This is a news move that the Rams are not playing their starters. Right. And there's really two things that happened. There was the initial line move where it fell down to three almost immediately when McVeigh So said, Rams from a six-point favorite to a three-point favorite. Right. McVeigh saying, you know, I'm not going to play my starters. And then what happened is people looked into this and the play the likely playoff scenarios. And as it turns out, the Rams could still get the number three seed. They can't get the number two, but why would you want the number three seed? That puts you smack in the crosshairs of the Minnesota Vikings in the second round of the playoffs. If you just coast along, you can lose this game and get the number four seed. Then you're probably going, you're, you're definitely going to Philadelphia after you win your well, first not, playoff not game. definitely. If you win your first playoff well, game. Well, not definitely then either. It's going to be the lowest seed. Fair enough. Goes as, so if three wins, which they're going to be favored at home, right? Three would be favored. But if three wins and four wins, four goes to obviously Philly. So I see that. And that's what I saw. I, I really had a question mark about the motivation. But then when he comes out and says he's done. What's the, I haven't heard his announcement. What, what's the rationale of him not playing his starters? He said, we've had a great year. Basically, we don't need to uh, prove anything with our starters. We're happy where we're at going into the playoffs. Wow. I went, I, you don't hear much talk. I'm not hearing people saying, is this like truly tanking in this case? You got to wonder, even with the non-starters, do they play? Does he game plan hard? I wouldn't. I think go out there and evaluate talent. And the fact that the Rams won that game against the Titans last week, I think is really key also because you got that win week 16. You're not worried about an extended losing streak. No one team wants that going into the playoffs. Certainly this would be the sort of game that you could drop without anyone being too upset. Speaking of Jimmy G guys, did you come through? This sounds crazy. I got over 200 tweets with various pictures of Jimmy G quite frankly, in various stages of undress, which was my mistake. I should have qualified that <laughs> a lot of shirtless pics, but I'll be tweeting out Thursday morning, the winner. I said, I'd retweet the winner with the best pick check at RJ in Vegas. If, if you want to see the winner on Thursday morning when this pod comes out. Fez, I'm not, listen, you got 200 plus of these yourself. I'm not going to kill you with your love of Jimmy G, but I do in exchange for me not killing you with it. I want 10 to 15 seconds of you rhapsodizing <laughs> upon Jimmy G. Just something you saw this week that you hadn't seen before. Well, I got to tell you, RJ, maybe I was the first guy to get behind Jimmy G or one of the first. Oh, but, come on. Not one of the first. But now maybe my love for him I is think waning it's just deep, slightly. I think it's just deeper than most people. Because remember forever I was saying, oh, love the Niners again this week in a week after week. And now for the first time you've actually come in and you've joined the Jimmy G party saying, maybe I've got those 49ers for the first time since this run undervalued. 
I what I find I haven't seen any Super Bowl odds for next year. I mean, are the 49ers the seventh or eighth favorite? They might be one of those hot teams everyone wants to bet. I would say no, but I'd set their season win probably at eight and a half. I was talking about seven and a half, then eight. I'll raise it up to eight and a half. I think that's a good number. I don't think we can make it nine. What do you think? I don't know. It, it just, it, if they, let's say they had gotten lucky and those five straight games by three points or less that they lost, they had won all five. So if they had five more wins right now, how differently would we be looking at this team? Yeah, now we'd be making them 10. But con- conversely, what if Jimmy G never wound up starting this year? If um, Well, but that that's like saying what happens if the three best players die in a plane crash. I mean, they now have an elite quarterback. Yeah, but they weren't playing him. They were playing Brett Bethard for, well, for, they, for they, enough weeks to be able to have him learn the offense. To well, some Bethard degree. got hurt. I think he might well have no. finished up the year. Then we would be but staring at a four and a half. For a team that should be nine, talk about. Well, but there'd still be a lot of uncertainty about how good Jimmy G was Great in that point. hypothetical. Yeah. Here's what I know. There's been 10 games the 49ers have played with either Hoyer or Jimmy G, and they haven't lost a game by more than a field goal with a competent starting quarterback. 10 games, not one lost by more than a field goal. And their injury report, remember, they turned into a mash unit. They had those five straight games. They used up all that energy, lost them all by three or less, really took a toll. That's why they took a tank there uh, and not having a quarterback on top of it. It was just too much to overcome early in November. Yeah, I don't care about any of those injuries. If you don't have a quarterback, none of it matters. I don't see, I mean, what team loses their quarterback and goes to a backup that wins this year, last year? We've been talking about some fantasy time back with uh, Castle or whatever off of a 16-0 and season. But in hindsight, you think about that, well, they were really minus five wins well, that talk, year. Talk about Case Keenum and the Minnesota Vikings this year. Yeah, but Case Keenum's played like a, a starter. Sure, but so, going in, we thought he was that, third string. I, you're misunderstanding my point. My point is if a quarterback doesn't play well, the teams can't win. Agreed. And – Name me a situation what you're talking about the 49ers and all the different injuries. And my point is injury or not, they had a quarterback playing so badly. They just weren't going to be able to win with them. Yeah. I I haven't seen any quarterback play badly that a team wins with consistently. I agree. And the poster child, of course, is the Jaguars that had a really good team last year, but Bortles was so bad. He completely kept them back now that he's just competent. And then when he got good, they go from a four win team to an 11 win team. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I would make the case the Jags outside of Bortles are significantly better this year, too. But but you're right. They certainly had the makings of a good team. So in this game, again, now with the 49ers favored by three, lean or like? Lean to the 49ers, upset with myself for not getting out there and betting them plus three. But the good news is I did bet them at pick, gave it out to my clients at pick them. So sometimes you've got to evaluate a game and say, hey, if there's so much incentive, the Niners on a winning streak, they absolutely want to run the table, win one more game. And with the Rams having very questionable incentive to do other than evaluate talent, I still got to look to the 49ers, but it's getting dangerous because now they can win the game and not cover. I'm actually going to lean the other way because I think McVay's hyper competitive. And I have a feeling what he's saying is this, is if he could rest his starters and win, He's just as fine with that because you gain the momentum than resting his starters than losing. So obviously he's looking at the 
utility of resting his starters as more important than winning the game. But it doesn't mean he doesn't want to win the game. It's almost like saying, do you really, you know, you got some radio station and it's four in the morning and you could play some old infomercial and someone comes in and says, listen, I'll do this at four in the morning for free. Okay. I'm going to do an hour for free. If that, you hope that hour's better. You're not willing to actually pay for a better show, but you hope if it's going to cost you the same, that the freebie guy is doing a good job. In this case, he's not willing to pay the, the fatigue and the risk of injury to his starters. But I think he still wants to win because I don't, I think that the moment, if you kind of balance the exact hypothetical of losing the game and then the three seed winning the game, right, which we're not sure of, and then you, you kind of balance that now it's like, oh, going to Minnesota versus going to Philly. I agree with you. I mean, how much better is Philly or how much better is Minnesota than Philly right now in your power rating? So you got six, four and a half points. So you've got four, four and a half points better. Maybe. I, I just think the guys like you that, that, that sit on Twitter and sit on your behind your computer screens think one way. And I think I think alpha professional athletes think the other. That's a great point. And there's a little nebulous in that it's not like this is going to happen next week. It's two weeks uh, removed before they would run into the choice between going to Minnesota or going to Philadelphia. You know, this kicker injury, I don't think we should poop with this having to go with Sam uh, Ficken at kicker instead of Greg the leg Zerline. Remember, the Rams' very top-rated special teams unit, no longer, not when they got to go with Ficken, a guy who I watched that game, they have no confidence in and kicked very poorly against the Titans. So just to be clear with me, if I were getting three with the 49ers, I'd love the 49ers. But now it's laying three. Obviously, this six-plus point move is about this idea of the motivation and again, I think the starters are worth some of the move, but I think this idea they want to lose, you know, I don't know. I, I just don't think NFL play teams think like that. So we have a disagreement, but both leans on that game. Next game, another monster line move. We got the Colts opened up, pick them at home up to a four point favor against the Texans. Fez leaner like I lean to Houston. Because they're catching four, it's my basic strategy, RJ. If I look at two really bad teams that are playing each other that I have comparable in my power ratings, I've got these two teams half a point to a point apart. I'm going to take the points because I think the home field is going to be so slight that catching three and a half or catching four in a game like this, probably the way to go. Good chance for a close game. My one concern oh, is that no, why is the home field slight? Because there's going to be 23,000 people there with minimal interest in rooting for the home team, the Colts. Do they really care at this point? It's a lost season. However, Pagano just came out today, the head coach of the Colts. He's likely gone. And he even said, looks like this game's going to be my last rodeo. That has me a little bit concerned. We saw the Bengals go out and win one for Marvin Lewis. It's possible the Colts bring more motivation than normal to a finale of a, of a, in a season that really is a lost season. I like the Colts here. Uh, two reasons. One is exactly what you're saying. I think there's some emotion around the coach. Uh, from what I can see, you know, a, a you know, I don't know, beloved, but certainly liked coach for the Colts. And also, and I do a show on SB Nation National Radio with Fred Fowler, and Fred's a radio host from Houston, uh, very popular in Houston. 
and you know, obviously Fred follows the Texans very closely and he says this team is given up. And when you get a situation where your third string quarterback is in concussion protocols and all that, it's like, you know, at some point it's like no moss. Right. And my sense is, can we get off this field with, with, uh, with, without anyone else getting hurt really is probably the mentality. And I'm not one to believe every team without obvious motivation is unmotivated. But when you have an insider talking like that, I take it seriously. So I do like the Colts here. Okay, next game. Uh-oh, crossfire time. Now, we have two crossfires, but this is what we're going to do. We're going to have crossfire number one, then three pros versus Joes, and then crossfire number two, so we can kind of get our, get our breath and energy between the crossfires. First, though, we've got the Cowboys, we've got the Eagles, and in this game, the Eagles are three-point underdogs at home, so Cowboys... Three-point favorites on the road. Who do you like, Fez? I like the Cowboys. All about motivation in this one. The Somehow the Cowboys lost and got knocked out of the playoff. Any kind of contention. Well, hold on a second. There's no somehow. They got we knocked had a, out. We had a crossfire last week. You had the Cowboys. I had Seattle. And somehow you were just playing wrong on the game. You know what? Let's turned, all go somehow. They got dominated. It turns out they didn't get dominated. Oh, no, no, no chance. Get this. I've never seen this before. Seattle had 136 yards total offense, and they had 142 penalty yards. So they had more penalty yards than offensive yards. Penalty yards to their advantage, meaning Dallas had the penalty No, oh, Seattle, Seattle okay. had the penalty yards. So they netted minus six yards on offense, if you count the penalty yards. I know some of those penalty yards against the defense. Dallas got 283. Seattle got a pick six, and things happened. The ball shaped funny. So somehow D- Dallas lost the game. I still think they're going to be motivated despite the dream crusher because, <laughs> because let me finish, division rival, 13-2 and two division rival that beat them badly in their home crib earlier in the year. So did you just say crib? I did. So I'm trying to be hipper. Everyone <laughs> no, knows I'm the, I'm the math geek, but I want to be part <laughs> of the gang, like the gangs that run around Disneyland that you educated me about. And frankly, for Philly, uh, they have not played well in their last two games. If they had lost one of those games, I'd be much more concerned about a max effort. But somehow they actually beat the Giants and beat Oakland despite playing really poorly. I think we might see a whole lot of backup quarterback, Nate Sudfeld, and frankly, this Eagle team is all right. All right. You got this wrong line. You are so wrong about this game. It's I've got to be honest with you. I get five people a week on Twitter trying to like say, Hey, can I get involved with pregame? Can I, and what I'll do is I'll go read their write-ups real quick. And you know, quite frankly, 19 out of 20 times, it's not worth any other contact. And then occasionally I'll reach out to them and want to find out a little bit more and if I had read that analysis on this game, you would have, I think I would have muted you. You don't think Dallas is going to be motivated. How could they be? How would you rank the Dallas discipline as a team? The Clappers coaching. Their coaching is not good. So isn't this a perfect example that there's clearly nothing to play for but pride? And it's like, I get the whole pride part, but pride's applicable Anytime there's a dream crusher, it's like for it's so funny for someone who tries to find these wacky psycho, psychological edges. 
Like you didn't see the Green Bay was going to be the flattest team of the season on on, on uh, Saturday night. I still go back. The stats on that game were dead even. The quarterback, Hundley, just played a terrible game. You said it, RJ. You can't win without a quarterback. Now, what you should be saying is, Fez, how could you have backed Hundley at home? He's been terrible all year, and I would agree. But I'm not going to agree the team was flat. Hundley was horrible. <laughs> well, once you're up like 13 nothing, and you don't feel like the other team can possibly score, you tend to slow the game down a little bit. There's, it is true. The Vikings <laughs> were up 10 nothing and ran the ball three times from the, uh, from the goal line. So there is some, a case to be made for that. <laughs> and, and it just seems to me that this is probably the second biggest dream crusher situation of the season. What was the dream crusher that I thought? would be the case so strongly with green Bay. It was the idea of waiting and holding on to the idea of please come back. Aaron Rodgers, please save us. And you finally, you, you, you win just enough games to get saved where if he comes in and wins three, you're probably in good shape. And then they lose the first game. Say like all that you've been waiting for meant nothing. And now you got to go play again on Christmas. Eve, but right? I or, still, or, or I guess it was uh day before Christmas Eve. A little background. So we all went out to dinner right as this game was going on. And so Fezzik was not his normal boisterous self at dinner. I was kind of quiet, dropping things on the ground here as uh, we were having our dinner because I was very disappointed in the total results. But when I went back and looked through the box scores and watched some of the game again, I really think that they were motivated. I just don't I go back to the quarterback issue, and I think that if— Well, listen, if, if we set the bar of being shut out and embarrassed as motivated, then every team's motivated. <laughs> they got dominated. You can't get—what was the final score? 16 to nothing. That's domination. They had very bad quarterback play. The yardage was equal. Dallas, if they were playing a team that was bad, I would agree 100%. The fact they're playing a 13-2 and two oh, team on in a division— it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's not about, they're not looking to play spoiler. If they had been dream crushed three weeks ago, maybe they point to one game to say, guys, you know, here's one. Let's go out on a high note. This is the week after the dream crush. The fact that it was aligned with Zeke coming back when there was all this waiting and, and anticipation of Zeke coming back, just like with Aaron Rodgers. And then the first game Zeke comes back, you lose. And you're eliminated. I will. And you guys, and, and this is it. You're packing up. Like literally your locker is packed right now. I agree that there are a whole lot of similarities <laughs> here. There's no question about it. So but, maybe you can say, oh, Dallas, you know, the Eagles won and covered, but Dallas uh, yardage is pretty good. I think the Eagles are in a lot of trouble. Well, I, tell you, I might be overreacting. See, might but that's the point, And that's the second point, which is. Philly needs to make a statement. Now, remember, if Philly were playing next week, I think they'd be balancing. Do we rust? Do we not worry about it? Or do we make a statement and, and give up the rest? I think with Nick Foles playing, you know, adequately at best, I would not be shocked if you see Nick Foles this whole game because he needs time. Now, I get it. You're right. Oh, if he gets injured, they're out. Well, if Nick Foles doesn't play better, they're out. Right, So they're not worried about this this average quarterback now at this point playing, getting hurt. They're worried about him turning, having a statement game. And then they're going to have an extra week anyway. 
So I, to me, I see full motivation for the Eagles here. I think they got to make a statement. I don't. I don't see the full motivation because they won the last two games. I can make the case. They but it's not about that. Winning got them to the point where they got the number one seed. They still. Do you think the Eagles are happy with their play right now? I think they're a lot happier winning nineteen. I didn't. I, I didn't ask that. I asked. Do you? They're think unhappy the, with their level of play, but they're not pushing the panic button. So and they should. So playing be. the starters is pushing the panic button. Yeah. It is most most. I mean, we've seen an evolution away from this old school Tony Dungy sitting everyone in week 17 when you have your position locked up. I think Belichick has shown us play. Look at the Giants, especially against, you know, way back in 2008 against the uh, undefeated Patriots, how hard they played in that game. And that was the game that actually allowed them by all accounts, to go win the Super Bowl. I, I still think the vast majority of teams locked in the number one seed rest their starters week 17. Well, I guess this is what the disagreement is. But the idea that a team that has an inexperienced quarterback this year doesn't have much experience this year, or let's say he has doesn't have a lot of snaps this year, and you're not happy with your play, and you have a bye next week, do you take a double buy, which some people believe hurts you anyway, or do you play hard? You play hard. I, and I'm getting the Eagles plus three at home against a dream crash. This could be one of the best bets of the season. If the Eagles play all, all out, you're getting a great bet because you've got two pretty comparable teams and you're catching the three instead of laying the three. All right. Well, you guys can decide on your own. Next game, we got three straight pros versus Joes here. Whoa, 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 slow down. I think we got to give that crossfire to you. You're being very kind, but I think your comparison to the dream crusher of the Packers really has to swing it your way, obviously. Well, I appreciate it. But listen, if you're right, this all comes down to how hard the Eagles play. My point would be this, lastly on this game, this line kind of implies that they're not playing hard at all. If they play even hard for a half, there's value in this line. What if Foles doesn't play second half? I still think there's value in this line. What would the line be? I, I mean, this is assuming Dallas is six points better. I don't know how good the third string quarterback is. Well, not good. I can promise you. <laughs> if you don't know, they're not good. All right. Redskins, Giants. And this is the Redskins favored by three on the road. Redskins on the road favored by three. And we have the pros on the Giants. The Joes on the Redskins, Fez lean or like? I lean to Washington. It's not a lean on Washington. It's a lean against the Giants. Here's my handicap. McAdoo got fired, and the Giants played two really, really tough games where they were all in against Dallas and against Philadelphia. They hung in against the Cowboys for three quarters, and they got beat up in the fourth quarter, and then they played as hard as they could against Philly. After that, 23 nothing against Arizona. Obviously, I would rather it had been closer. I don't like the fact that they got shut out, but I think it's a clear instance of a team that was just, just a terrible team in the NFL, rose up when they fired the coach for just a couple games, unsustainable, and now they're right back down as a drag bottom of the NFL. Wow, you've got everything right except the conclusion. Is I agree it was very important that they had two straight games in which they had motivation because it was play spoiler. Uh, it was getting Eli back, especially against the Cowboys. And then the next game is play spoiler against the Eagles. But to me, the fact they played so poorly last week 
it's to that zigzag effect late in the year is can they do they want to finish with two horrible egg laying type games, especially this likely being Eli's last game. Yeah, it's a great point. And we talked about the zigzag. You want to go over what the historic numbers are that on the week 17 zigzag? Yeah. So I uncovered this this week. I think it's pretty. Now, listen, to to some degree, this has a little bit of not convoluted, but there's a few conditions here. But I think the conditions all make sense. And I also think you could go through and find a lot of variations on this with different conditions that would also apply. Week 17, you have a team off a loss. So it's got that idea of they don't want to finish with two straight losses. And they're home. Because I think teams want to be embarrassed a lot less at home than they do on the road, especially a second straight time. And their opponent is off a win. Because the assumption is the opponent being off a win takes away maybe some of their motivation because if they were also off a loss, they don't want to lay an egg either two straight in a row. So that's it. Week 17, home team off a loss, road team off a win, and not favored by double digits. Because that means likely if they're favored by double digits, it's one of these must-win teams. It's not us trying to find motivation when there's not really any clear motivation, but rather it's a must-win team like a Pittsburgh or something potentially this week or New England this week. We're go- we're not going for that. We're going for teams without m- clear motivation. In these te- these teams, 59% against the spread, 62 and 43. So, I mean, this is not some small sample, and I think the logic is really – uh, there with this. Yeah, and I'm going to go back to weeks one and two. In both the preseason and the regular season, same idea. You start the preseason. Nobody wants to start 0-2, and once a team wins a game, they let up a little bit. So betting an 0-1 team in preseason against a 1-0 team is a real good bet. And amazingly, you can say, ah, it's preseason, but it works in the regular season. Blindly betting 0-1 teams straight up against 1-0 teams is also extremely profitable. Teams don't want to go 0-2 to start the season, and they don't want to go 0-2 to end the season. I agree. I, crazy that you're leaning to Washington. You want to change that? I'll, I'll just, Eli's last my, game? My power ratings liked it, so I'll just go neutral on it. How could you, your power ratings like it? So, so the Redskins are. So you're saying that Washington's bet more than six points better than the Giants? Washington six better. I don't even know if the Giants have one and a half for a home field in this game for Eli's last game. I still think no one cares. You don't think anyone cares? Boy, you need to listen to WFAN for a while. How, how many people it, are going to be in the stands for this one? I think it's. I think it's full. Really? I. I, I mean, how many Giants games aren't they full? I mean, they're there drinking. They only have eight games. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch the the stands very carefully here. So, I, you already lost a bet about fans, haven't you? On the college side? Oh, I'm sure I have. <laughs> Put it on my tab. All right, no, not with me. I'm talking about with. I think it was Ken. All right. Speaking of that, guys, we're gonna be doing our college football final bowl preview, except for the championship game, and it's coming out Friday morning. So we had gone all the way up through Thursday. So if you still want Thursday games, they're up right now on my Twitter. But starting with uh, the Friday games, we're going to do Friday through the semifinal games. All of them. All the biggest games. Fez, Ken Thompson, Brad Powers. I'm hosting. It's a full Wise Guy roundtable Friday morning. That's unusual Friday morning release this week. Okay. Arizona, this is the next pros versus Joes. No Huey, because no one liked the wrong side. Arizona, 
Seattle. Now, that was an interesting stat about Seattle's yardage. I missed that, and that was a good one. Seattle is favored by nine and a half in this game at home. They have clear motivation. They're in the playoff hunt still. And the NFL has the games aligned up where there's really not any situation I see where a one o'clock Eastern start is going to change the motivation in the late starts. And there is no Sunday night game. Did you see any kind of if thens there, Fess? None other than possible scoreboard watching where we talked about the before the show possible that the Steelers could look up and see the Patriots up by 24 and say, Hey, we can't get the number two seed anymore or the number one seed in that case. Okay. So in this game, the pros are on, um, Arizona. The Joes are on Seattle. 90% of the tickets on Seattle. And remember guys, you can go up to pregame.com, click game center, click consensus and see the bet splits bet count. Splits and the cash splits on every game. In this case, Seattle, 90% of the tickets, but only 53% of the cash, which means the big bets on the Cardinals. That's the pros. Fez, who do you like? I lean to Arizona. I don't see any hurry. People always in week 17, the public prices that must win so strong. And this is a clear must win for Seattle. We talked about misleading final score where they beat Dallas by nine, but really got outplayed in the stats everywhere, but on the scoreboard further, Russell Wilson's really having trouble uh, still protecting him, even though that old line has gotten a little bit better. And are you going to risk injury for Russell Wilson in this game? You just want to win it. So if Seattle does get up by seven or 10, I think that they, they will go ahead and coast to victory and not go all out risking Wilson's health further. The home field advantage of Seattle is awesome, but it's much better in a pick three-point favorite, three-point dog situation than when they're laying close to, if not, double digits. Because the crowd and, and the competitiveness. Now, considering this is in division, considering playoffs are at, are at stake, I, I think the crowd's probably into it. To me, I actually like Arizona here. Um, not just a lean, but a like. And here's my rationale. And you're right. I think wait to get 10 is, is more likely. And there is, uh, I guess, asymmetric risk. Whereas if I go from nine and a half to nine, I'm not losing that much. But if I go from nine and a half to 10, I'm gaining a lot more. Um, but Arizona 10, I like, and I think it's about the coach. This is a beloved coach and he's and, and Arians is out the door. This is it. Is that confirmed? Yeah. Okay. It's confirmed now. I know it went and then, but from what everyone's saying, it's like he wanted to kind of announce it on his own terms, but he's out the door. So I'm not sure who's, you know, how much that's him, how much that's a team. It doesn't matter. Right. This was a team that made the champ, you know what the NFC championship game, right. Recently. So a two time coach of the year. I, you know, my sense is that adds to the motivation here, you know, and I'd rather bet a seven and eight team than a six and nine team. I think psychologically you've got something to play for when you say, wow. And that's, that was one of the reasons I leaned to the Redskins. Also, we can get to eight and eight. So it's not a complete fiasco of a season to get to 500. You know something, Fez? I'm going to give it to you here. I love that one. Because that's the thing is the idea that we didn't have a losing record. And you see it all the time, you know, coaches, players, whatever, even coaches more is only two losing records and 
uh, you know, 20 years. Or I remember back to George, what was it? George Allen, right? The old Redskins coach back in the early 70s. Am I remembering that right? You are. And by the way, I've never had a losing season at pregame.com. Oh, well, there you go. So, and I'm thinking you care about that. Very much so. <laughs> and I'm going to have to have a good week. To right keep there that on the streak alive. Well, football has been really good, though, right? You had a, a bad, what was it? You had a bad early baseball run, didn't you? Uh, NBA. NBA got me. And then baseball was choppy. And, but football plus 95 units since, um, well, since June, 95 units, all sports. Like Arizona. I'm just thinking, like, why don't you, like, what's holding you from liking them here? The 23 nothing blowout win. They could say, okay, we got the really good game. Um, against the Giants and I think the, the coach. Last one try, I think you only need one motivation, but right? I, I would have much preferred that they just won a game by three points than win twenty three nothing. All right, so we both agree with the sh- the uh, pros there with Arizona. Next game, our third and final pros versus Joe's in Crossfire coming up next. We've got Saints, we got the Bucks, and the Saints motivated here for playoff seeding. Favored by seven. And in this game, as you could guess, the Joes on the Saints, the pros on the Bucks. Fez, lean or like? I lean to the Bucks. You know, I love this Saints team. Seems like if there's one team I've gotten right all year long, I know when to fade this team. I know when to back this team. And more often than not, when you're talking the New Orleans Saints having a good year, you don't fade them at home. You fade them on the road. And the Bucks have actually been pretty darn good at home. How good? They've only lost one game at home this year. By more than five points. Now they played the Patriots. And so they haven't exactly had a cupcake schedule. They hung in there against Detroit, against Atlanta, against the Pats. The one time they lost by 14 points was to Carolina. They actually out um, had more yards than Carolina in that game. So they've been competitive in every game. Yes, New Orleans has incentive to win the division, to win the game, but they are already in the playoffs. So are they motivated big time? Are they maximum motivated yeah, maybe, maybe not. Because of that, I think Tampa Bay can hang in there and cover the number. You know, I I think that idea of max motivated or not is is just so dangerous. Because let me ask you this. If you just randomly took a week one through eight game of any team, and if you if, if God came down and said, I'm going to quantify that team's motivation and then the Saints' motivation this week, what would your bet be on which team is more motivated? Saints are way more motivated. So the idea that they're not, if anything, these truly must win games, I think they're a negative. I think this is the perfect spot for a team because you really, really want to win, but you don't feel that that choking pressure that if you mess up, you're out of the playoffs. These, these kind of win or you're done situations, not only do the public tend to overbet them even more and make them expensive, I think the pressure is a negative. Yeah, I, I can see that teams like Baltimore, the Titans, it's like the newlywed game, the $25 question, you know, get it right, you're in first place, miss it, you go home. That makes for a lot of pressure. Better get that one right. So the Saints seem to have the perfect amount of motivation. Because if you added more, I think it nets out at zero at best with the additional pressure. Yeah, uh, but they had more motivation last week against the Falcons in a showdown game. So can you dial it up to 10 each and every week in the NFL? Uh, not each and every week, but two weeks in a row, right? 
or, or, or under that theory, we should be talking about in the AFC championship game, the teams aren't motivated because they were motivated in the divisional game. <laughs> Fair enough. And they did have their flat game against the Jets just two weeks ago. And I think, I think it can go four or five games. I mean, I've seen in the NFL when teams start playing hard that and, and winning, that energy feeds upon itself. I mean, the Packers last year, I think, certainly fell into that. And the Packers Super Bowl year when they were four and six. Yeah, you see, and the, and the Ravens. I mean, I think... I think it's hard to go more than four games, maybe, or five. But I think if anything, if, if you're a team, especially if you're winning on the road, it can feed upon itself in the playoffs. All right, I lean Tampa Bay. The reason I don't like him, I you know, Cutter, I think he's out the door. And he's, a, to me, not necessarily beloved. So you just got to wonder, is there a substitute teacher effect here? I'm not a huge fan of, of Winston as a team leader. So you, I usually am looking at a quarterback or a coach to keep a team motivated. And, and, you know, even though Tampa falls into this trend, again, it is a 59% trend. That's why I, I lean that way. One of the reasons I don't like it. Cause I, quite frankly, I don't want to bet on Winston and cutter getting a team without obvious motivation, motivated next game. We've got the Jags, the Titans. Uh Oh, it's another crossfire. Fez try to step it up here. I mean, do you want me? I'll let you pick what team you want. I like the Jacksonville Jaguars here. Here is why. I consult with RJ in terms of the what the line should be every Sunday. And my look-ahead line on this well, game. Well, first, we consult with you, meaning you are the rock. Yes. And, and we twig. Yes. So, and when I say Sunday, so look at seven days before. And I made this game Tennessee minus four against Jacksonville. And the reason I did so is I said, you know, I think the Jags probably going to play their starters for a half. They're going to go ahead and mail in the second half, but they're still a much better team. Six points better. So I'll go ahead and adjust for that. And instead of making this game Jacksonville minus three, I'll go all the way and make the Titans leap of faith, a four point favorite, assuming the Jags aren't going to play hard. Now word comes out. The Jags say they're going to play their starters play to win, which does make some sense because Tennessee is trying to grab somebody else's playoff spot as well. And the Jags want off of a loss. They want to play hard. And apparently they want to give full effort. Well, if they give full effort, they're six points better than Tennessee. They don't have to give full effort. They just have to give a good effort. And there's tons of value catching them plus three and a half. All right. And again, we're, we're at that disagreement point where it's obvious what we're disagreeing on. I know I don't know that one of the more skeptical people I know somehow them saying we're going to try hard was that the phrase we're going to try hard says we're going to try to win the game try who is it going to try to win the not game not going to rest Did the they, starters they, so they made a commitment that they're not going they're going to play the starters the whole game that is what he said all right so and I'm trusting it, him it, it's interesting the line isn't moving Oh, the line's leaking down oh, because really? of the news but it seems like if people be, if, if if people believed what would the line be if Jacksonville played 100% hard? Jackson would be laying three. All right. So, and right now it's Titans laying three and a half. Yes. Huh. So you're the one that believes them. I think a lot of people are going to believe them. I'm going to make a bold <laughs> statement that it closes two and a half. <laughs> but it's still five and a half points from where it should be if people believed them. So they don't fully <laughs> believe that he's going to go all in. He's going to keep it vanilla. He's not going to show anything. And remember, the Titans... Talk about motivation. So he's going to keep it vanilla, but he's going to risk his players when they don't have a buy. I mean, not only the injury risk, 
but literally they don't have a buy. That's the key to me. If a team has a buy, I'm open to the idea that, hey, you uh, you might want to play hard, right? Like I said in Philadelphia, because, hey, you got the, you don't want two weeks off. Right, we've learned that. Now some teams still take it, but I think historically, Mike Lombardi's talked about this. You don't want those two weeks off, but when you have a when you don't have a buy, you need the time off. You're but, gonna have not. You're gonna have your fatigue play. It, let me ask you a question: If you had a ticket on Jacksonville to win the Super Bowl, which I do, all right, do you want them to play their starters here? Gosh, no. Rest everybody. <laughs> exactly. But, but they're losers, RJ. They this is a team <laughs> that never makes the playoffs, never has a home run year. They want to win another game. This is what you see from teams that get into the playoffs for the very first time. They don't tank like savvy teams that are used to being in this position. Well, I, I, I think, <laughs> let's just say this. I think you're getting fooled. The market thinks you're getting fooled. I guess. Uh, let's see what the market says when they kick off and what the line is then. Well, well, yeah, we can always, it could be nine. It could go the, it could go up a bunch. These lines are, that's a great point. These lines are very volatile. Week but what I, know, what I know is, is that when the Rams said they were going to do something, the line moved six points immediately. All right. Pretty quickly. All right. He says the, uh, the Jacks say they're going to do something and there's no movement. So it's not like there hasn't been enough time for this line to move. Well, this line actually it has moved. This line did actually go up to Tennessee minus six, and that's where it spiked, and then it came back down because there was an anticipation that Jacksonville was going to rest everybody, and then the coach came out and said, nope, 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 we're playing to win. Uh, well, you know something? Let me look this up. So if you go to the Game Center at pregame.com and you actually click into – uh, you can just stay on the overview tab, actually. There's a, there's an image that shows you the line move, which is this is really cool. So it shows you the open. It shows you the current. And then in between, you have an image that shows you what the if the line's gone up or down in between the open and current. So let's take a look at this. I, w- I want to see this. So, okay, so I see it went to three. It ticked up, and then it went down. Okay, so that does seem to be the case. So this line's moving. Wow. Huh. All right. So I guess this is what this bet's about. This bet is literally about is to what degree do we think the Jags beyond all reason. I mean, we if this was like some like learning disabled kid that was running a Madden team, I, I get the idea that he wouldn't know any better and you're kind of betting on his, on his ignorance. Do we really think the Jags aren't smart enough to realize, wait a minute, this game benefits us in no way we have to play one of the biggest games in franchise history next week you don't think they realize that part if they had been in the playoffs the last four years they'd realize a lot more (laughs) than this is their first time in the playoffs one thing i do want to mention rj it being week 17 this applies to all these uh one-way motivation games if you're looking to play the team that's going to be motivated for certain i would look to play them for the game if you have the team with questionable motivation i would look to play them also in the first half so case in point with this game, I think Jacksonville first half is a lot safer than Jacksonville for the game because oftentimes where does that lack of motivation show up in fourth quarter scrubs coming in? Very good point. That's an excellent. If we didn't give you a dream before, we would have given you a dream there. Very good. I do think it's important that we clarify our language here is we're not talking about, and let's be super clear about this. A team who is locked into the playoffs is different than a team with uh, with un- unclear motivation. 
So I, I don't think every team without clear motivation doesn't play hard. I think some will, some won't. That's the big part of Week 17's handicap. But in this case, there is reason not to play your starters because you've got to play next week. So I, I think in general, it's dangerous just to say, well, this team needs to play hard and this team doesn't. That, that is unclear. That's I want to play the team that needs to play hard. If you told me I had to play 100 games blind in that situation, a playoff team that's jockeying for position versus a playoff team eliminated, and I'm getting the market price, if I had to play 100 games blind, I'm fading the the playoff team. I think that the market prices clear motivation too expensively. Agree or disagree? Agree, because that's largely where the big line moves come. So the openers, I think, are pretty accurate oftentimes, and the closing numbers on these can just get out of whack. All right, so we had a crossfire on that one. I don't. I think it's hard to decide. I guess the question is, is do we believe Jacksonville is that stupid? Fezzik does. Maybe we bet Jacksonville first quarter and we bet the Titans fourth quarter. Oh, a, a true hedge, huh? Interesting. Jets, Patriots, this is a battle Obviously, for the Pats, for the number one seed, Pats at home favored by 15 and a half. Lean or like? Lean to the Jets. Series history has been good. The Jets always get up for the Patriots. Seven, one and one in series history. Also, I got a stat. New England in the Belichick era. So this is a long time running. They run the ball five times more on average, almost five times more on average in week 16 and 17. Makes sense. Keep everybody healthy. We've been talking about that. So you're saying if they typically run 10 times a game, they run 50 times? They run 33 instead of 28 are the exact numbers. So it's not five times more. It's five more carries. Five more carries, correct. (laughs) And last week against Buffalo, they ran the ball 38 times. So we got a confirmation that they're going back to what they have always done. So I expect a whole lot of carrying the ball in this game. And because of that, it's going to be harder to separate. Has me leaning to the under and certainly leaning to the Jets. By the way, Brady, one stat, interesting, five straight games with an interception. We talked about Tom turned 40 in August. Is he the same guy? He's got eight interceptions on the year. Last year, he only played 12 games during the regular season, only threw two interceptions. So five straight games with one interception. I wonder when the last time that happened is. I'm going to look that up. I'm going I'm to actually look that up, and I'll tweet that out for you guys. His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. And I bet that's, I I wonder if that's ever happened. Huh? That's interesting. Here's where I think your five extra carries a game number completely doesn't apply is in a majority of Patriots week 17 games, especially they've been locked up. They've had the number one C locked up so many years. So if they're in a, a a no consequence game, they're going to be running a bunch in this game. It, it strikes me they're as motivated as any game during the year. If they win, they're the number one seed. If they don't, why would they play any game plan other than what optimizes their chance to win? Because they're a 16 and a half point favorite. They're going to win no matter what they do. But in the second half, when they get up 14, well, first off, that's they're going to run. We never talk like that, right? They're not going to win. You give me 10,000 to one on it? They feel that it's almost, it's extremely unlikely that they're going to lose this game. And so, so they're going to somehow want to run more. So it shortens the game. So Brady doesn't take an extra hit or two. I believe even if so. it's less than optimal. So they'll go from, so let, let's look at the money line here. So the money line on this game. And if you go to the game center, just go to the bet type. You can go to the money line and the Patriots right now. And this is again, Wednesday afternoon 
the Patriots are minus 1,200 plus 800. So it's about 90%, right? So there's a 10% chance they lose. That's you saying they're not going to lose, right? I'm so saying Larry Bird they don't a free think throw. that there's any kind of So Belichick can't chance. quantify he has a 10% chance Belichick to can certainly do it. I, okay. think, the, I think the players... But feel, players don't call the plays, do they? They do not. All right. So now here's my, here's my next question. Is, does Belichick take an 88% chance instead of a 92 where I see plays suboptimally, but, but he thinks he, he's decreasing the chance of getting Brady hurt by some smidge because he throws a little bit less and there's a few less plays because running the ball runs the clock. Do you think he takes any material two or three or 4% decrease uh, or increase in the chance of losing? As long as it's, a small, a negligible amount. He does that. They blew the home field at Miami. What was that? Last? But that two wasn't any coaching. Oh, two years ago. Yes. Yeah, so, so there is precedent that he let the home field slip. So away. if anything, that seems like he won't make that same mistake. I, I think he's going to get up 14 and then he's going to be super conservative when he knows that his win probability is more like 96%. Well, but if, if, if you think that any point in the game, the Pats are going to be up 14, don't you have to like the Pats? We're, we're, we're assuming Bryce. Now that's a fascinating. Well, yes, yeah, because there is the chance that they never would get up by fourteen. So, if 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 you tell me they got they are at one point going to get up by fourteen, their chance of covering goes up significantly. Okay. So, what's your thoughts on Bryce Petty? Much better than I expected. So you said that last before last week before week sixteen. You feel the same way in week sixteen. I felt he played a little bit worse than I expected against the Chargers, but he played so much better than I expected against the Saints. When you take the weighted average of two games, he's still better than I certainly than I expected. I lean to the Jets here. Um, what worries me, where I don't like it, I think they're playing hard. This Jets team is playing hard. I think is a rivalry game. They'd love to play spoiler. I think good coach. So we've got that going on. I think the inexperienced QB, I think those, and I'm not in a position to judge like how intellectual Petty is or whatever, but he doesn't strike me as, as, as a super intellectual QB. I mean, am I wrong about that? Uh, I agree. No, he doesn't strike me as someone that's um, a Mensa member. So the point I'm making is I think Belichick sets traps for these guys. And it, it just takes one pick. If we knew for a fact, the Pats are going to have one, you know, uh, even not a pick six, but a, a inter, uh, an interception in uh, the Jets side of the field. I think you bet the Pats here, right? And yeah, and, and he might disguise some coverage that he's never going to use in the playoffs just to confuse his playoff opponents and throw some stuff that he never uses at poor Bryce Petty. Yeah, so I'm keeping it to lean on the Jets. Next game, this is our full motivation special. This baby is... The Panthers and the Falcons, you could have guessed it. Both teams playing for a lot. Falcons favored by four in this game. They are playing for their playoff lives, it would seem. Fez, you actually passed this game. So give me the best reason to like the Panthers, best reason to like the Falcons. Best reason to like the Panthers is they're every bit as good as Atlanta, and they're catching four, not three. Uh, Best reason to like Atlanta is that Although both teams are max motivated, Atlanta knows if they don't win this game, they're heading home, and Carolina's already in the playoffs. So one team's at an 11 motivation, and one's at an 11 out. Yeah, but you don't believe that kind of winner you're out, can, the pressure can be a negative? Could well, get, could well get to you. I do think the home field in this type of game with two premium teams playing each other 
goes up. So instead of a three, the home field may well in a crescendo go to four in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Does the this being New Year's Eve and all these games being New Year's Eve, does that make the questionable home participation in some of the games, not this one, even more pronounced? Wow, that's a great question. I'm, you gave me the dream music. You should give me the flunky music. I have not considered it yet. I, you would think so, though, right? I mean, if, if you're thinking about not going to a game, and and now if it's 4 o'clock, maybe it's fun to go to a 4 o'clock Eastern game and then and then going out for the night after. But, I mean, how many people have energy for that? I, I'm, I'm certainly not going to get all juiced up at 5 in the afternoon if it's New Year's Eve. <laughs> so that's interesting. I, I think it might lower the... The crowds at some of these games, you might think, or maybe they leave early, you know, who knows? Um, I lean towards the Panthers here. I, I, I think at some point the when the stats and the performance aren't aligned, we got to start thinking there's something that, that the stats aren't measuring. And Football Outsiders, for example, if you look at your power ratings, Fez, you've got Atlanta number seven, okay? Now, if we look at net yards per play, which is a favorite wise guy stat, but it doesn't consider strength of schedule. It doesn't consider, you know, waiting red zone more than other areas is Atlanta is the third best team in the league. It's new Orleans, Jacksonville, Atlanta, then the Rams, by the way, I tweet out this full it has the offense. It has the defense. It has the net. It has a comparison to last year. It has the turnover margin and the strength of schedule all on one page. You can print. I tweet that out. I'm going to do it Sunday morning this week at RJ in Vegas. Follow me and get that. Uh, also, I'll tweet out Fezzik's power ratings this week also. So in your power ratings, Fez, you've got Atlanta seven. Yards per play, they're three. And the DVOA, a very respected analytics measure, which takes into account more things than just raw yardage, has Atlanta 13. It makes me actually feel good that there's some statistical measure that's identifying where Atlanta is so deficient and DVOA won't consider any measure. That's not predictive. Meaning if it's something, it's just kind of random. They're not really considering it. So the theory is they found some stuff in Atlanta stats that are bad. So my question is what uh, let's go to the eye test because it seems like you still believe in Atlanta, even though we've now got 15 games showing us that they're not as good as a team like the Panthers. I mean, let's look at the Panthers on DVOA. They're number eight, where again, Atlanta is, is, is number 13. And you've got Carolina though, tied with Atlanta. So I guess my question is maybe Carolina is better. DVOA says they are. Why aren't they? Well, their yards per play are horrendous. They've actually gotten outgained from a yards per play perspective. Now, some of that, I think, is a little misleading because Cam is really good at running on third and five and picking up seven yards. So they pick up a whole lot of third downs by just a little bit. That's extremely effective. So I'm willing. That's why my Carolina. Which is a good example of what DVOA does. If you're third and nine and get eight yards, they consider that to be a negative play. If you're third and one and you get two yards, that's a positive play. So it's kind of what's the goal of each play is what they consider. But at some point, I got to say, hey, Atlanta snaps the ball once. Carolina snaps the ball once. Atlanta gains a full yard. I mean, that's so significant. It's kind of shocking. I got these two teams equal. I will say this. 
all year long, Atlanta's been number one or number two in that yards per play stat. Now they've dropped to number three. So we're seeing it. We thought they'd get better under uh, uh, under their offensive coordinator. They're actually, their yeah, net they're, number they're has a po- gotten a little worse. They're actually tied for second. They're a point eight. The best they were this whole year was 1.1. So, I mean, it's dropped a little bit, but when the best in the league's point nine and they're point eight, I mean, for, it's for a long time, the narrative though, was their Super Bowl team had been 1.1, 1.2, and they're still at that level. Well, Clearly, it was 1.2. Not. It was 1.1. 1. 1. 1. 1. 1. Yeah. Yes. So, but yeah, so it's three tenths down. It's just, uh, yeah, to me, here's what I'll say about the Panthers. I think Cam, when he runs more, it's a better team. You're absolutely, and I think he chooses, I think he makes business decisions on when to run. And I'm I'm not saying that's bad, but competitive games, he's going to run more in the playoffs. Obviously that applies to this game. It applies. But if you actually look at camps, passing stats, they are really bad. I mean, like this isn't, I mean, camp two years ago was, you know, MVP cam. This is below average cam. Yeah. Part of that. Remember he was injured and he was unwilling to run and he couldn't throw effective. So he was terrible. Think back to that Detroit game. They won 10 to three at home. They couldn't move the ball at all. I think it's a little unfair to even count those first five weeks of stats against Cam. All right. So to recap here, a uh, pass from Fezzik, Eileen towards the Panthers. Next game. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. This is when we've got our two derivatives. And the second one is a double derivative. I love it. Just like Fez loves it. He gave me the idea, though. And I said, wow, that makes sense. Count me in. First, though, it's the Bears and the Vikings. On the side, it's Vikings favored by, at home, 11 and a half. Vikings have something to play for. In fact, they're playing potentially for their uh, buy. I mean, going from three to four or four to five, you know, obviously three and four doesn't mean as much. If you go to four. Uh, four or five, or I'm sorry, uh, five or six. Now you're on the road week one, right? So that's a negative. But to me being one and two, that jump is the biggest, like the three big, to two. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying being one or two right. or jumping three to two where you get the buy. And then the first home game, I mean, wow. Right. Number one's great, but two is uh, to me, the difference between one and two is small relative to the difference between two and three. Exactly. So, uh, Vikings are motivated here and your derivative bet is, yeah, I'm going to take the Vikings in the first half. They're laying 11 and a half in the game. So the first half is going to be lay seven and a half. I think it's a safer bet because there's always the concern. You get the game in hand, you coast, don't want to get anybody hurt. You get up 14, you give up the backdoor score. And because of that, I feel a lot safer. I know the bears are going to play hard division rival all game long. I'll, I'd much prefer getting the Vikings that I know are going to be all in in the first half and further. They have every motivation. They want to blow out this team and then they can coast in the second half as well. Now, the perpetual question is if there's an obvious reason the first half is more or less attractive, does the sports book typically account for it? So you're predicting seven and a half here. What would this be if it was a normal week eight game? Seven and a half. So you don't think they're going to account for this? They never do. They The odds makers have their chart. And if there's an 11 and a half point favorite, they're going to make the first half line either minus seven, lay a dollar 25 or minus seven and a half. Okay. I'm passing this game. I, I think Minnesota is a good team. Obviously I don't like laying doubles, but here, so for, but for me, it's bears or pass. Here's why I'm passing. The Bears have played two good games. One was against a Cincinnati team that probably played the worst game of any team this year. 
right there when it comes to effort and against the Browns team. Now I'll be candid. I like the Browns. I didn't bet them. I told you guys, I'm not betting them again, but a little tease ahead here, I guess, but let's be candid. I thought the value was on the Browns. So did you Fez bears beat them. And now you watched that game. I'm guessing on replay. Would you say it? Oh, they played even and the bears had a plus three turnover differential. And so what are the Browns now? Minus 24 on the year, something close to that. It's, I think that might be a record. <laughs> uh, mine is 28. 28. See, I've, I've lost track. It's like, that. how is that even possible? Then the, the second worst, let me see, is minus 16. Denver is minus 16. That is not random, that minus 28. They probably should be like minus 22. So a little unlucky. <laughs> so, so to me, though, if you're in one way to have two out of the last five games you've played well, is good for a team that's got a bad record. On the other hand, they're, they're two asterisks to me, so I don't trust this Bears team. You know, and I don't really trust that Fox is all that popular with his players. We talked about winning one at home for your beloved coach. Sure seems like the team, yeah, they're kind of looking forward to their new head coach. Next derivative here, we've got the Browns and we've got the Steelers, and this is a huge move on the line. It opened 14 and a half and it's down to 10 and a half. Fez, what's the logic of this move, do you think? I think the logic is that the Steelers are realists, and although the money line pricing says the Patriots have a 10% chance of losing, should the Patriots lose and the Steelers win, they can get the number one seed, but I think they realize it's so unlikely in their eyes that um, it really doesn't matter whether they win this game or not. And further, they're going to look at the scoreboard during the second half, and if New England's up big, suddenly there's no reason to put it on these poor Brownies. Okay, so I, I, I agree with the second one more than the first. I don't think Pittsburgh's saying, oh, there's only a 10% chance, so we're not going to play hard against our division rival. So, But I do think there's a heck of a chance if it gets to the second half and New England's up 21, the Steelers pull their starters at that point, perhaps. Um, and it opens up the back door in theory. So first double-like derivative, what do you got? We're going to bet the Cleveland Browns to get more first downs should be right around plus four. Might get a plus four and a half, but plus four is the standard number. The idea here is that I expect the stats to not be that disparate in this game. Oh, the scoreboard might get disparate because what does Cleveland do? Minus 28 in turnovers. You know what's great about turning the ball over a lot is that you turn the ball over in your own 20. The other team gets one or two first downs. They punch in the end zone. You get the ball back. You drive the length of the field. You get four first downs. You throw a pick six. You get the ball back. So time of possession for the Browns is actually pretty good. They should be able to rack up yards, especially in the second half. If Pittsburgh is just playing prevent, knowing the game doesn't even matter at that point, even resting some people. So here's why I really like this and, and great work Faz is number one. I think there's three possibilities here. One is Cleveland's competitive in the game is for whatever reason, whatever confluence of events, Cleveland is competitive. And if so, Plus four and first downs is great, right? Second scenario is what Fez was talking about with the scoreboard. Pittsburgh's has a nice big lead, couple of big plays. And lo and behold, they look up, New England's up big. They decide maybe they take out the starters, Pittsburgh, or maybe they just start running the ball a bunch and slowing the game down. And in that case, Pittsburgh's lack of energy for that portion of the game is another advantage, possible advantage for Cleveland. Thirdly, Pittsburgh gets up big. 
they stay up big, but they're playing prevent defense. So Cleveland gets a bunch of first downs. Maybe they score, maybe they don't, but it really gives them a chance to power on the stats. And we see that all the time. Even when a team wins big, the back doors open. Well, to, uh, when it, especially statistically, the back doors open. And I think in this case, Pittsburgh being prone to maybe going to the prevent earlier if New England's up big. All these things, the last two kind of run together. If Pittsburgh gives up a little bit, even if they're up big, they're going to go to prevent. And if so, Browns get it. So I really don't see this other than Pittsburgh winning the game from wire to wire and and keeping the, the pedal to the metal the whole game, which I don't see that scenario in any case, hardly, unless New England's losing, which is very unlikely. It feels like this is, I mean, there's nothing better than 60%, I don't think. But, I mean, think, give me another scenario. The Browns uh, don't stay fairly close in first downs. Just losing 31 to three. That's, that's, that's it. Pedal of the metal the whole game. Yes. So, you know, and the Steelers, you got home run hitters, even without Brown. I mean, Schuster could take it a 77 yard touchdown pass. So it still only counts as one first down. The Browns, although they have Josh Gordon, they don't have the home run hitters. They're not going to score touchdowns with huge plays like that. So I didn't know that. So if there's a touchdown from, you know, 90 yards out, they count one first down. Yes. Oh, what happens if there's a touchdown from eight yards out, though? Even from one yard counts as a first down. All touchdowns count as so first So if downs. you're first and goal to goal from the one and you punch it in, you get a first down. You do? Huh. I did not know that, as they said. All right, Fez, explain how you can. I think this was one a lot of listeners might say, you know, I don't usually play derivatives, but I am here. How would you get down on this specifically? Yeah, well, the best place to go is uh, – Offshore bookmaker. Yeah, well, don't, well, here's the thing. I'm not asking you to recommend any specific mm-hmm. books, but is it game day? Is it like when, what, will most books have this? Who, what kind of books have this and when? Most books don't have it, but the number one offshore book that I just mentioned has it. They put it up on the day of the game and it's there for each and every game at that one place. And you're saying uh, if, if someone had, other than bookmaker, if someone had 15 online outs just randomly, very few people are going to have that. How many are going to have this bet? Four or five. So about a third of the online books. And yes. how about in Vegas? In Vegas, they don't put it up. Really? Wow. See, and, and guys, it's a good example. Now, is there any other way to get at this with a, with a um, derivative type bet that is more common? Yeah, you can... Certainly go ahead and bet all the Pittsburgh stars, their, their individual players. You can go Roethlisberger under 280 yards. You could bet Kaiser over 220 yards. You could bet Bell under 98 yards, rush yards. Actually, I really like that one because he may well sit in the second half as well. So you can play the individual skill position players for Pittsburgh to go under or conversely play Gordon to go over um, for um, the uh, number one Browns wide receiver as well. This is your wake-up call, pal. Go to work. All right. You got your marching orders. Next game. This is the total from Fez. The one game that he likes the total. Then we have smart money, a double like, and two best bets. This is where the action really picks up. Bengals, Ravens on the side here. Obviously, the Ravens playing for the wild card. They're at home favored by 10. Fez, tell us about the total. So I'm going to go over the total and the... Of? Of... What's the total? Total's 40 and a half. Sorry, Baltimore and Cincinnati. It's all about the schedule these teams have played. 
I've got my uh, playbook in front of me, which has a schedule of all the different teams. And I put an arrow, RJ, in terms of every team they play. Are they playing an over high scoring team or a low scoring team overall? And there is nothing but down arrows on the Baltimore Ravens, except for two games all year long. They played the Pittsburgh Steelers and they played the Detroit Lions. Every other team is a lower scoring type of team. The same is true for the Bengals. It very rarely happens this much. So what, what happens when you see that you get skewed stats, the Baltimore defense looks great because they played against a lot of terrible offenses. The Baltimore offense doesn't look very good at all because they played against a schedule collectively that is well above average because of that. The scoring is depressed in Bengal and Raven games. Thus, we get a low total. Thus, we get value when they play each other. That's ah, interesting. So the the Ravens have played six backup quarterbacks, right? Yes. So that's going to skew things. Big time. And I do CBS radio in Baltimore every week. And they were telling me they think this offense is a lot better than the season stats. Flacco's healthier. O-lines become more cohesive with some disruptions early in the year of retirement and injury. And they've got a playmaker at running back they didn't really expect. Um, so that feeds into what you're saying also. Yeah, and we get a benefit from last week's game going under, landed 39, went under by one point against Indianapolis, played in a driving cold rainstorm in the second half that I truly believe was the number one factor to keep last week's game under the total. Now, what's your thoughts on Bengals' motivation here? Because Marvis Lewis, as you say, the rest of us say Marvin, um, he seems out the door. I mean, is that official or is this just, you know, right now, like most likely? Most likely. So what do you think? Do they play hard for him his last game? It's a division game. Play spoiler. On a scale one to 10, we've been talking about like lots of 10s and 11s. Maybe this is a six. It's a spoiler game. He got shut out by Baltimore 20 to nothing at the beginning of the season. So that's always an extra motivation. But let's face it. Last week was the all-in game, the home finale for Marvin Lewis. So you think because it was all-in last or, or because it was home last week? Yeah. Remember, basic strategy. When we get a, we come in as an underdog and we win the game outright. And then we play on the road as an underdog. Historically, that's a bad spot for a team to try to get up for that second game. Okay, so I'm going to lean Bengals. I, I think that Lewis's last game might trump that concept if it's on the road or not. It's also in division. And I mean, this is a feisty Bengals team. They're not used to having meaning, you know, being meaningless. And, they, and their games have been meaningless for quite a while. So which means I think that dream crusher is obviously over. Okay, guys, from here, we've got smart money. Double like and two bus bats, as we like to say. Stakes are going up. Smart money, Chiefs, Broncos. Broncos at home favored by three and a half. It opened at one and a half. Broncos are the smart money in this game. Faz, lean or like? I'm going to lean to the Denver Broncos. And RJ, you're probably going to like this pick based upon the feedback I've gotten from you throughout this dream pod. Kansas City, very questionable motivation. They're locked into the number four seed. Um, Andy Reid. So the exact same motivation as Jacksonville. The yes, exactly the same. But they have a coach that says he's not concerned about this game. He's going to rest key starters. Heck, he even dressed up as Santa Claus after they won last week to wrap up the division title. Uh, breaking news today. Mahomes is going to start. He looked very good in preseason, frankly. So my one concern about Denver is that the Chiefs are going to keep their starters in on offense because they want to see what the kid can do. And maybe that'll last well into the second half. 
That's my only concern. I think they'll rest many key defenders. I'll look to the Broncos. Yeah, I mean, the line account, I mean, this is saying the Broncos are the better team, right? So, like, how do you quantify this lack of effort? You know, to me, I think week 17 is the worst week to play teasers, especially in these games with questionable motivation. It's almost like the bowl games we've been saying. And I also think, you know, we haven't talked about this. If you like a team, let's just say you just fundamentally disagree with the motivation. Like you actually think Jacksonville should be favored, right? You're saying, Hey, if they play hard, they should be favored. Do you look hard at the money line? You know, almost like, Hey, I, I, if I'm right, they're going to win this game, right? You don't need the points in the games with and if you're wrong, motivation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, so I think in a way when you are, when, when, when there's big factors that are very uncertain, Stay away from teasers and stay away from favorites on the money line. Look to play dogs on the money line because that normal distribution, the way that bell-shaped curve looks is skewed and it's going to be fatter tails is what they call it. And because of that, unless the market's changing the payouts, which they don't tend to on the dogs, you're getting a better chance of that score being distributed, not normally, but differently. And thus, I think some of these dogs at, on the money line make sense. Absolutely. And just for those who haven't been listening to the college football dream pod, it almost seems as simple as, you know, bet that variability, take those big dogs to win as money lines. But then RJ, after the first quarter, if you've got like a 10 point underdog and they're ahead 10 to nothing, normally they should be a big underdog to win the game. Heck, I might even make them favorite at that point because it's clear cut that they've come out with all the excitement. You said something interesting with the idea of the Chiefs wanting to give their quarterback a chance to, you know, look decent. Um, do you think that's just on offense? So, so they play more starters on offense and not unless on D. Well, they got to evaluate how good he is. So, yeah, I think you got to play all the starters at least a half on offense. Not true on defense, though. So, do you look towards the over on it? Do you think the totals accounting for that fact? No, I like. So, that. why don't we love the over? Well. Because the Denver Broncos don't exactly have good quarterback play to inspire overs, but I, I agree the over would make sense. All right. Interesting. Okay. Let's talk about, oh, let's do our coupon this week. Guys, for, you know, last week obviously was the Christmas holidays. We were up so gigantically over last year at Christmas. I mean, like four X. I mean, this has been such a wonderfully uh, supported podcast this year, the dream preview. Thanks so much. We're given a coupon because of that, obviously at pretty much every week. And last week we had a lot of Christmas stuff that any customer got. Um, how, how do you guys have this effect? It's retweeting me when I tweet out the pod, it's emailing friends, a link it's giving us a, you know, if you love the pod, a five star on iTunes rating, it's leaving a comment explaining what you like about it. Any little effort like that, Fez, you read the comments, right? I mean, every week you're looking at the comments on iTunes. So if you want to give Fez specifically a thanks, you can write him right there. Hey, Fez, boom. And that kind of stuff helps other people find it. And quite frankly, you might think, well, you know, maybe we want this great info to ourselves. No matter how big this gets, most people are going to bet idiotically 
trust that, right? Fed, you never worry about giving out info because whatever tiny percentage learn from it, and we can have hundreds of thousands of people and it's still a tiny percentage. Case in point, I talked on the Dream Pod and then I talked about on straight out of Vegas on Saturday night. Gotta lock in the plus three on the Steelers against New England. Yet the plus three stayed there until Sunday morning, two and a half hours before kickoff, and then boom, line drops down to two and a half. I would like to say I, I, I'm I a huge market mover with my information, but there's so many other guys betting, like you said, it's still only a small amount of the water in the ocean. The So we don't worry. We don't hold back info. You shouldn't worry about it. But here's what I know. The more feedback and growth we have with this kind of quality content, the more energy we put into it, not only with the podcast, right? New equipment, more preparation, more guests, all that stuff. You know, Fez jumped in the college dream preview the middle of the year because we were having so much success. It was like, hey, I want to be involved with this too. Um, a guy like Matty Holt, he doesn't get paid a penny for what he's doing with us, but he shows up nearly, nearly every week. Because why? Because there's so many people listening. So you guys help us keep the good guests by all the different ways you spread the word. And lastly, other companies look and say, and listen, we're not afraid of competition. I can promise you that. Bring it on, right? But the other companies look and say, wow, look how big the dream preview is. We should try to do something like that. Now listen, they're not going to do something exactly like this, but it's going to be better than what they're doing now, probably. And you can benefit from that, too. So you actually have, a, I think, an ability to affect the direction of the Las Vegas odds and predictions industry by affirming and supporting the content that you like. And hopefully if you're listening to this this long, you like it and your support means a lot. Here's the coupon. NFL Dream. 12, $12 off any pick. We usually start at 10, but I'm feeling generous the holiday season. NFL Dream 12, all caps. You go to pregame.com, go to buy picks, pick anything you want. Fez, you actually have pretty high volume in week 17, typically, right? With your late releases. Yeah, I already put up three best bets for my early releases. These are all the games, not that are played on early in the week, but that. I give out up through Thursday, so that's already locked and loaded. I'll probably give out one or two more. And then the beauty of it on game day, we talked about a lot of these first quarters and fourth quarters. I don't hold back. Week 17, I'll be putting up recommendations. A lot of them, if they're hard to find, what I do, RJs, I just say, hey, this is a strong lean. Here is what I bet. If you can find it, great. And just put the information out there. Yeah, no doubt. So, in Fez, your package right now is priced at? I think $21 bargain basement. Wow. So, so for nine bucks with this $12 coupon. So anything you want, Fez is whatever you put it into the shopping cart and enter NFL dream 12 in the coupon code. You get 12 bucks off. Thanks again for all the support. Double like Raiders chargers chargers at home favored by eight. Fez, who do you like? Like the Raiders. There's one factor in this game that trumps all others. Obviously, the Chargers have maximum motivation. They need to win and they need some help. So there's a little scoreboard watching that could be a slight distraction, but it's all about the home team. And the home team is the Los Angeles Raiders in this case. I've heard projections 75% of the crowd will be Raiders fans. I think that that's light. I think it's going to be 80% plus 
L.A. has never taken to the Chargers. I still have called them the San Diego Chargers all year long. So the Chargers are getting priced like they have a one-and-a-half-point home field. I think Oakland is going to have a one-point home field. Well, I think you're right. I like Oakland, but I think you're there's a, a step on top of this. With questionable motivation, which the Raiders have, that home crowd is not only going to be an effect with noise and, and, and with all the things a home crowd might give you, but it's going to lead to motivation. Think about it. Do you really think the Raiders want to lay an egg in front of not? Oh, it'd be one thing if they were at home and they kind of expect that crowd, but this is their remote fans showing them love. They're going to want to play extra hard for that. I would think. Absolutely. And also we're getting value from two freakish plays, really one freakish play on Monday night football. So Oakland, Probably, I won't say probably, they could have certainly won in Philly, but they should never have lost 10 to 19. And so that final score being a nine point loss instead of a three point loss probably ticks us up to plus eight instead of plus seven on this game. All right. I think that one is is really that simple. And I also think the Chargers have a situation where they're in a must win or they're out. And I think that's usually priced expensively. And as we said, There's pressure associated with that. Two games left, two best bets. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fire up your pad and pencil. I'll give you a piece of my mind. Wait, I was singing. (laughs) No one wants that. I'm not running the board. (laughs) No one wants that. Best bet from me, RJ. Packers plus seven. You can still find a seven out there. Key number, second most key number in the NFL. This is really simple. As Fez overlooked last week, Packers were in an ultimate dream crusher spot. And what tends to happen is you get a bounce back. This is the last game. They don't want to lose two in a row, as we talked about. And additionally, I think you've got a good coach with the Packers. I also, where, you know, the discipline's there, he's likely coming back by all accounts, McCarthy. And thus, there's not the substitute teacher phenomenon. There's also, I think, a sense of let's give Hunley some uh, confidence. If it's even just to be our backup next year, Hunley's mindset during the the offseason matters. Who knows if they're looking to trade him? This is next year, the last year on his contract. Maybe if he plays one more good game, they can get a pick for him. Who knows? But his value matters. His mindset matters. And I don't, this is a small sample, but since Green Bay has such a unique home field, if you look at Hunley away from home and home, he is playing so much better away. Now, what's the logic to that? I think it's the slick grass on Lambeau. Lambeau's home field is more about that surface than anything. And I totally get the idea that, and it can be about the weather too. I totally get the idea that, oh, well, he's played multiple games on it. He should be better. Maybe he just, for whatever reason, isn't prone to play well on a slick surface. But the the splits are pretty eye-popping. Wouldn't you agree, Fez? Very much so. At Chicago, played very well. At Pittsburgh, almost won as a 14-point dog. At Cleveland, rallied the team down 14 late. And I think it gets in your head too. If you're the kid, you're like, uh-oh, here we go again when he's in Lambeau on the road. Nothing but su- success. Now, on the other side of the equation, this is the dream crusher for the Lions. And when you get dream crushed like the Cowboys face the game before the last game, the penultimate game, some would call it, 
Well, it's kind of hard to imagine. Get What are you getting up for if you're the Lions this game? And they're the Lions. They almost lost to the Browns when they were hosting the Browns. I know they covered 12, but they almost lost that game outright. But they were trying that at least. Exactly. Right? This is the ultimate dream crusher against the bounce back dream crusher. And to me, if, if, if this line would be correct, if they had equal motivation, but I think that the Green Bay has clear motivation edge. My best bet plus seven Packers. Fez, what do you think? I agree strongly. You strongly? Because you got a lean here. You made some great points. <laughs> if well, you can get the well, seven. I, the seven was nebulous whether whether we can get that or not. It's plus seven, lay a dollar twenty. So as long as you get plus seven, lay a dollar twenty, I agree strongly. At six and a half, I, it's just a strong lean. All right, Fez, your best bet. Best bet. We're going to go to Buffalo, Miami. I'm going to go against the Buffalo Bills and take the Miami Dolphins plus three, lay a dollar twenty. This is all about line value. They are pricing Buffalo into this must-win situation. They still have a chance to get to the playoffs. A lot of things have to go right. But just two weeks ago, Miami was playing at Buffalo, and Miami was catching three and a half. Now they're hosting Buffalo, and they're catching three. Too much of an overreaction. Remember in that game, Miami got beat up pretty good by Buffalo, so they've got recent revenge only from a few weeks before. Miami will be all in. They would love to beat a division rival here, and Buffalo, although they're maximum motivated, they're just not very good. I only have them two and a half points better than Miami. 76 degrees here in this game, so we've got a team from the north coming in from the tundra to have to play in warm weather advantage Miami as well. Yeah, I think that the the good coach and 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 I do think he's a good coach at Miami and Gase and I also think the division not only is this a, a divisional rivalry but this is a strong rivalry. They really uh, people outside of this division outside of the Bills and Dolphins fans I don't think understand how strongly they feel about each other and I think you've kind of got a Michigan Ohio State thing going here where regardless of the records both teams are going to play hard especially the last game of the year and if both teams play hard then there's huge value here I like this a lot no doubt about it okay guys next week we'll be doing the first week of the playoffs for sure but don't forget special this week Friday morning this baby comes out Thursday morning Friday morning college football full round table Every game left until the championship game, all the biggest games, leans, likes, everything from the dream preview. Talk to you then. Thanks for listening to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday, NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week. 2017 was a great year for us here at Podcast One, and we hope it was a great year for you. We launched new shows with Caitlin Bristow, Jim Harbaugh, and Randy Jackson. We've had some amazing guests stop by some of our shows, like Brian Cranston on Geffen Playhouse Unscripted. Juliet Louis-Dreyfus on All of the Above with Norman Lear. And Jason Bateman on Spike's Car Radio with Spike Ferriston. We are looking forward to a bright 2018 with new shows coming online, like MySpace Tom Anderson. And we are welcoming back Dennis Miller to the podcast scene. This is Heather Dubrow. Happy holidays. Cheers. I'm Caitlin Bristow, and I want to wish you happy holidays. Hey guys, it's Kelsey Knight from the Lady Gang. Happy holidays. We'll see you in the new year. From all of us here at Podcast One, we want to wish you a very happy holiday and a happy new year.